Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conservation, a laid-back podcast where we discuss everything from cool animals, conservation, the environment, and what we can do to help. I'm Robert Pike, a field journalist for the Global Conservation Force, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Veal, a world-renowned rhino conservationist and president of the Global Conservation Force. Coffee and Conservation. Today we're joined by our good friend Hein, who is our second guest ever. Now, not only is Hein just a super awesome, really rad dude, but he's also an anti or he was an anti-poaching ranger and also was the one who taught Mike most of his training. Hein, how you doing? Ah, good in yourself, man. Good. It's it feels I mean it's weird, it's weird to like well it's not weird, it's kind of actually really rad to like finally meet you because I've heard so much about you for, for so many years. And so it's it's nice to put a face to the name. Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. I mean, um, <laughs> same thing. I, I was um, listening to your podcast with Mike, mm-hmm. and I must say, um, you did offer me some serious entertainment. <laughs> so, yeah, I I did enjoy that. Uh, yeah. From an American going to a third world country that's never been out. That was that was some that was some awesome stuff, dude. It really, really is. It's like it. that. You know, it's like that Netflix show. You know, it's like an idiot abroad or whatever, where they send like that hopeless dude over. <laughs> things out i feel i i relate to that guy a lot more than i wish i should um carl carl pilkington yes yeah the first time i saw the bathroom i was like no no this no where's the and i felt like i felt like a dad sending his kid to go to the bathroom i'm like he's like telling me his bladder's gonna blow up i'm like we'll just go use the restroom and he's he like walks away for five minutes comes back looks like literally swallowed a water bottle i'm like what's wrong with you and he's like i've got to go still i'm like dude what happened you went to the bathroom he's like no i didn't and then it's like three trips later and he finally gets the and he locks himself in and then i'm like what the, what happened to my yeah. like, my my non-dad dad spider senses kicking i'm like mm-hmm. robert's in trouble he needs mm-hmm. help <laughs> i had a, definitely had a small yeah. my pride as a grown man to ask another grown man to go to the bathroom with me so yeah 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 but i mean my favorite story from that one was uh most definitely um you packing to go over on your first time packing yeah. like yeah. a freaking massive run literally pots uh, and pans banging on the side of my on my bat- <laughs> side of my backpack and what what i didn't know either is when i went to go check it in the the gal at the airport was like you can't have things hanging off the side of your bag so i had to stuff like 10 more liters of, of crap just in this bag that was already full. So it was literally like putting 15 pounds of shit in a 10 pound bag. And we, and, we got and, it. Well, did it open up like a hundred percent. The, the kid from up as a boy scout walking around. Yeah. And like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm tired. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You know, uh, it's the third world will, um, Give you some some hair on your chest, you know. Like, totally, uh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, and just to give you some defense, Robert. I mean, uh, when Mike, when I first met him back in when was that? Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I met Mike um, coming into our our training course at the at the private um, company I used to work with for anti coaching, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a junior instructor back then. Uh, I was just in charge of basically making sure these oaks are disciplined and 
everything's running right. So Mike pitches up, literally, he's there, like <laughs> solidly pulling American. Oh, and sure. I, it might not be a, a thing that you guys know, but we call you know, in our, in our uh, environment or other countries, you'll have a, <laughs> you'll have like, okay, this is an American. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. Um, not to insult any of you, no, uh, obviously, hilarious. but anyway, he pitches no. up. He's got, he's got his own freaking bags. He's got everything. He's got, like, I don't know. I think he had two or three cases, which was just there for cameras and all this stuff. And yeah. He pitches up there, and I mean, this it might be a private, a private company, but it's still like, it doesn't take anybody's shit, you know. It's like it's okay, you pretty, hear, it was, especially paid. then. Yeah, uh, well, back then it was, it was like, yeah, it's more of like a, a fuck you, you know, like, yes. you don't care who you are, like, just just get in here, get what we give you and start training, like, we got to, don't talk too much, you know, and in pulls Mike with everything that you can think of, he's got camera gear and everything, and I'm standing there, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, ah, oh. also, like, granted, I, I don't, I didn't know Americans that well back then. You know, I haven't met yeah. too many of them. My experiences weren't great. Uh, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm just like, oh, kill this guy. I'm going to end this oak. Yeah. And um, he just comes to us and he's like, yeah, well, listen, uh, I have all this camera here and I'm going to start uh, a nonprofit organization and uh, do some filming if that's cool with you. And in my mind, I'm like, no, bro. But, not cool with me. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I kind of probably have to ask the, the guys in charge. So I ask them, they're like, okay, sure. But he has to carry all his own stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's cool with me. You get some extra weight, so awesome. And um, I say, yeah, no, that's cool, man. Like, uh, you can carry your stuff, you can bring your stuff, but you, you're carrying all your own cameras. So we load him up. Well, he goes as light as he can. And we're loading him up with his, onto his, uh, you know, he's got his rucksack on. Um, or Bergen, I don't know what you American folk call it. Yeah, just your, on, uh, your patrol kit. Pat. Yeah, oh, okay. sure, sure. Yeah, basically that. So, yeah. sorry, let me take a sip here. No, and um, basically, he's like, right, I'm off. And I'm like, okay, great, you know, because we're already giving these oaks a, a pretty uh, a rough like job to get just to get to the camp because you stop at this office and then you get kitted out and you get all your stuff and He'll really give you a really, really um, heavy rucksack. And it's like, right, here we go. It's already late in the day. You have to get to your camp before it's nightfall. Let's go. So we hit it out. We go. I mean, in that in that walk back in the day, usually someone would fall out um, just in the first walk. And it's not a, it's not a far walk. It's just a very fast walk. With, with, heavy, with uh, heavy gear. Heavy rucksack. Yeah. And it was yeah. And, and it was I remember the first guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hot and it's humid. And it's getting late, so we're pushing these guys. And I remember the first guy just falls out. He's like, oh, I have, a, I have an ankle injury. And, um, well, according to himself, he was an ex-Royal Marine uh, commander, which I highly doubt because I, I know a few of them. And um, I think he was just a stolen valley type of guy. But anyway, sure. he's out. I'm like, okay, great. First guy's off. Right. Let's uh, aim for the American uh, for the next guy. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, <laughs> We end up, and I'm like, right, well, he's having extra like, uh, weight and stuff. But this oak is like walking and just going for it and having a smile on his face. And, oh, that, that I mean, this smile so bad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and we end up 
we go to this, I mean, we, we end up going to the camp and, and we settle them in for the night and stuff and, you know, have a bit of a shout and everything. And we settle them in. And I, I remember going back and I, uh, my other friend, uh, also very, very experienced guy, much more experienced than me, uh, Calvin, mm. also a guy, uh, part of GCF, uh, one of Mike's guys, just looking at me and he's like, what's happening? And I'm like, there's an American here that I just think we should just end him. Like, we just need to work him out. Um, he's bringing his cameras and, you know, this guy's mm-hmm. thinking he's special and he's having a massive smile. He thinks this is a joke. And he's like, okay, yeah, no, cool, man. Like, no problem. So you do you and you do your thing. Because I had like kind of a little bit of a free rate. And I did my little best. I did my best. I was like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. I'm going to end him. And it ended up where I did fuck him up. But they did get lucky where they pulled me to another training course mm. uh, for me to go train the, some other members in a, in, a, in a different form. And I think you guys, Mike, I don't know, you guys got up to some shit there. Um, you and Ben uh, on, that, on that round, didn't you? You guys sneaked out uh, out of camp, didn't you? Not me, but yeah. No, so this is so this is the best way to start this podcast. So this I love where this is going. So uh this so we're on the crest of 2013 and 14. Um it took me nine months to get to this point uh, on not only physical training just to get up to where we were gonna be, but I had also talked to the admin of this Greater Kruger Park training facility <clears throat> and they told me, listen, there are no accommodations. It's not going to be easy. This is what you need to bring. And then I asked for approval to bring cameras. They straight up told me in the email, You're, we're not going to allow you to have access to any electrical charging ports. We're not going to have, you, you can't store your cameras anywhere. You can't do this. You can't see that they're like, they're like, basically, if you want to bring it, fuck you, do it yourself and figure it out. And I was like, okay. And so, but, you know, these guys, for one, I was the first American. I, I knew I was going to take shit hard for that. I knew it. Uh, <clears throat> two, I knew as soon as I showed up with cameras, I was going to have an extra target on my back because <laughs> I knew, because I was like, but I have to show going on. Like, I got to show what's going on. Like, people want to know. And so I figured out I had two small Pelican cases, one with a handheld camera and one with a GPS, uh-huh. or sorry, G- uh, GoPro with two extra batteries. And I had a solar panel the size of a, a you know, regular piece of paper. <clears throat> and I had created this little field kit. It weighed a total of five pounds uh, between the two uh, and then another four pounds for the solar panel and battery. So I had basically an extra 10 pounds, which when they're trying to make it is not fun uh, because mm-hmm. they already loads you heavy. And I show up, <clears throat> first of all, when it showed up, uh, the office tells me, okay, you have 24 hours to get your last stuff before you go into training. Tomorrow when they show up, it's it's full bulk boot camp mode. Like, there's no turning back unless you say no or you quit. And if you say no, you cannot return. Like, that's it. You're done. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, so I'm thinking, okay, cool, cool. Well, if they're going to take us to this, what they call a safe house for pre-recruits or active for patrol, there's going to be food there. No, there's no food there. And they didn't tell us to get food there. Nah. So, so for a full 24 all. hours, <laughs> for a full 24 hours, or we started hell day, yeah. uh, I had no food, no water. And then the next morning, 
uh, same thing. So we start like at the ass crack of dawn on that day. I was like, I think it was 8 a.m. And I remember uh, you guys start early and then you start getting your kit and starting. I mean, I remember like you, you get your, your paperwork sorted out and you'll, you'll get us in the back and we'll start handing out whatever you need, your uniform, your kit, your rucksack and filling that up and giving you your ration pack, which is also ridiculous. Like a ridiculous amount of food, concerning that you have to be like with that thing for three weeks. Right. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, yeah. It's uh, it's like, it's like, realistically, if you're training this way, it's like days worth of food for sure. <laughs> thirty days of activities, and then they they stay out. So, <clears throat> uh, so training day shows up. First of all, they shave our heads and our faces. We get reassigned our really? one uniform. Um, our standard boots, our standard uh, PT kit, and then we have to do everything else. You know, classic break you down and build you back up. <clears throat> and I could see, I could see Pine had it out for me on day one because there was a comical <laughs> smirk. He had a comical <laughs> I didn't, Hein didn't know this at, at first. They didn't give anybody our profiles or bios, but like all these guys I had worked as a ranger, I didn't tell these guys, like, I was a very experienced outdoorsman and, and backpacker. You know, I couldn't tell these guys about, I, I didn't tell them anything more than they absolutely basic needed to know. Like, I was of age, I was, I've met the physical requirements, I was going to do it, because I knew the rest of it was going to put a huge target on me. <laughs> so, I was like, hell no. And so, it's funny, because it was a little worse, but also better than I thought. Um, because... I, because I had some of my own kit when I showed up, mm-hmm. they told me to bring that. Uh, I didn't realize that was going to make me stand out because in the emails they told me, they said, have your own of these. I was like, okay. And I was like, shit. So I, I roll up with, you know, like I said, my own kit and my own bag. And they go, no, 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 no. You're putting that away. Here's shit. And they gave me like, you know, the, the, the industry standard for everybody else. I was like, okay. Sure. Uh, which is, uh, just as a side note, absolutely dog shit. Like, yes, old yes. freaking uh, South African National Defense Force rucksacks. You get, like, a freaking paper-thin uniform that offers you no heat at night. You get literally old um, boots that was worn by soldiers in the South African National Defense Force. It's, it's formed to another man's foot. I mean, I've got a scars on my foot from when I went through my basic training there, or just from the blisters that it caused. So it it is it is it is rudimentary at best. Like it it sucks. Mm-hmm. So for my coming there with his nice stuff, and then we're like, nah, bruh, <laughs> I have this. It's it's quite a step down. But we were like, yeah, no, uh, screw this up. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. gonna be equal here. Um, which I, I actually appreciate that. I really, I really do appreciate that too. And the end of the day, I mean, it is what makes a team. It is what makes everybody on the same page and it, it doesn't give anyone that advantage. I mean, let's explain a day as an anti-coaching ranger, contrary to everybody's first mindset, it's not the military and it's not the police. So Getting the shit, and you're out in the middle of the greater Kruger, or you're on the Kruger itself, or you're in somewhere else, you know, even more remote, or even if you're more central, there's no helicopter to save your ass. There's no vehicle backup patrol. Usually, mm-hmm. if there is, it's going to be like 
your response team and they're not necessarily trained for extraction and they're not necessarily trained for emergency medical response. So you literally have to, for 14 to 20 plus days, have to be able to carry everything you're going to need, including food, water, shelter, and be able to prepare for anything that's going to happen either by wildlife or by poachers. So sure. if you're coming in thinking, oh, I can bring a lighter and I can do this. No, you, the lighter as a luxury later. So <clears throat> they took away literally everything that would have been a convenience. So we had to cook for our own meals before first light and at sunset for the camouflage and concealment of our food. You cannot, uh, we didn't have, so we had no lighters. We had to use matches. We had to do everything by stick and, you know, wood fire build. Um, you have to boil your own water, collect your own water after a certain point. They give you water, but you always are running out of water. And that's because mm -hmm. in patrol, you're also always running out of water and you're always rationed. So, and the other thing is you live with other guys who are overusing or underusing, and that's always a problem too. So sure. all these things are coming into play. So it's really important, especially for anti-poaching, that you remove all luxuries and train them from the very ground up, not only with survival core basics and patrol and survival core basics and medical. You, you got to take the luxuries so people know how to do the basics because when it comes to down to the real time, you're not going to have that stuff most likely. And if you do, you're sure. lucky. So flash forward. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Calvin, who's he's so Calvin is also one of my instructors who is, he's the head instructor at GCF. He oversees, uh, -huh. uh our, our advanced and core efforts. Um, uh, Hein was the, one of the other instructors. We also had, uh, Sergeant Danger. And Sergeant yeah, Zorro. Yeah. Is that, those are the real names or no? Yeah. Uh, really? Yes. Yes. Huh. Actually, I, I saw um, I saw the IDs. And, uh, huh. Yeah. I was also very surprised. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I suspected this because they, they are ex, um, back in the day, Rhodesian soldiers. Uh, oh, okay. now, and they came over because they were, let's say, supporting the wrong side at the time. So, <laughs> so they came over and I, I suspect they just changed their name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were also super comical because Sergeant yeah, Sergeant Danger <clears throat> he didn't solo me out as an American, but he also he had the most chill I will end you slow painful death methods ever. Sure. Like like oh we're going to walk for 3 days and die from the heat kind of thing and then oh is that uncomfortable? That sucks. I mean yeah. it's, it's and like he was super nice, super comical. That was so, amazing. So Sergeant Zorro, uh, who looks literally like a person's, like, he's he's the predator personified. Like, he legit looks yeah. like the predator. Uh, yeah, Zorro, scary dude. Scary dude. And like, and his story matches yeah. his, like, or his, his really? look. He, uh, so yeah, he's... Yeah, I would, I would agree. Of, we'll see, like, what is that? So we had... And we had Danny Zulu. So, so we had, that was my instructor's staff. Danny was sure. hilarious. Cause like, he was like the happiest instructor, but he was like, we're going to go for a 25 K March today on the road. And he's just like, and we're so happy. Whereas the rest of them were like, you know, four different styles of I'll kill you. Um, sure. so yeah. like Sergeant Zorro was, uh, 
in the taxi cab, uh, the gang taxi cab gang war. Uh, yeah. And also fought in the South African Rhodesian Bush conflict. <laughs> yeah, you see, uh, with Zaro, it's it's an interesting story, man. Like, the dude is uh, well. Uh, obviously, the time we met him, he wasn't allowed to touch a firearm anymore because he's been to prison. Um, yeah. And he 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 didn't want to touch a firearm anymore. But man was a complete sociopath. Um, yeah, <laughs> great for great for training people how to be, you know, kind of in the industry that you are, but. I mean, the man, he comes from, as I said, um, back in the day when Zimbabwe was still, was still Rhodesia, um, from the stories that he told me um, when I was sitting next, uh, next to him, um, I was sitting next to the fire with him at night, um, he would tell me, I, I don't know how true these stories are, but basically how he ended up here was that he, there was some Rhodesian comic book back in the day where they had a man that was like this superhero that just like blasted everyone, you know, he was just ending everyone. Sure. And he was like, he was like, fuck yeah, man, that's me. He's like this 16 year old kid. And he's like, yeah, man, that's, that's what I can do. And he just was like, cool, let's join the, I believe the Rhodesian uh, rifles, um, which was um, basically like a, a lot of African dudes uh, joined the, the military uh, fighting against um, the revolutionaries back in the day, if I can say it like that. Um, it was absolutely, absolutely top class uh, infantry, by the way. Mm-hmm. And after the war, ended up a lot of them ended up in South Africa, joining different branches. Um, some of them trackers, some of them special operations and stuff like that. I don't know exactly where he ended up, but the man was an absolute freaking demon. Like from yes. all the years of war, because he went from there, Rhodesia. He came well, Zimbabwe. He came back uh, South Africa joined our war after the war he didn't know anything else but war so he ended up as mike says um from what he says uh zaro himself uh, this is not me making up my own things that he ended up in some crazy ass uh taxi wars and Mm. i'm not sure how it ended up but the man ended up in prison in south africa and uh just you know after prison um, which is actually an interesting thing about the company we were working for they 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 took a lot of guys that were trained lost their way and went to prison and then came out and they were like listen here's an opportunity you can come to us we're not going to pay you very well but you'll have a life so that's how they ended up there and this zorro character just ended up there and i must say as as a junior instructor working under him and trying to train people it was challenging that man yeah <laughs> that man was on, level, on another level i mean there was I mean, back then, I was also not a very um, very relaxed guy. I was much younger. Uh, I didn't have that much um, experience in actually getting through to a trainee as what I do have now with experience. And even then, sometimes the way he would go crazy would be like, for me, like, okay, you need to chill out on these guys. You're being a bit psycho now. Like, we're wow. not in the rotation bush war buddy <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy it was crazy stuff so but sure but i don't know um just adding on to my story is like you had some really um back i, I think it's completely changed uh, oh it's with it's, industry and stuff and it's totally it's, different it's, it's, 
Yeah, there's there's none of that anymore. I mean, being trained by ex ex guys that were involved in serious crimes, it's not happening anymore. It's 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 a relic of the past, which luckily changed quite fast for us, you know, because that was back in 2014, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah, end of 13, 14. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I mean, um, that was that was the stuff, Papa Papa Oaks. Well, including me. I, I, luckily, I'm not. I don't have criminal <laughs> records or anything. Sure. But uh, that was the type of guys you were getting trained by. Sure. Um, and then, but not to take anything from these guys. They were absolutely excellent at their jobs and uh, top top tier trackers. Uh, very passionate and just extremely, extremely uh, experienced in what they did. And it's actually, it, it, to be honest, it was actually very freaking awesome being trained by these guys. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think yeah. I think uh, you, you, myself, and Calvin, and Christian, we caught a a pocket of training in the midst of the crisis uh, as it was really spiking. Uh, 2013, yeah. 14, 15 were the, the years for Rhinos Lost. Um, and also, you had enough guys who were still, they weren't too old, and they weren't, you know, aged out as instructors. Mm-hmm. You had... You had this time frame of instructors who saw some real serious after combat, but also had field experiences, you know, living in the bush and also had worked as rangers for a time before they started to, you know, permanently retire. And I mean, some of these guys were in their 60s, late 60s, and they yeah. were harder than yeah. the 18-year-olds. I mean, like, they would outpace personal record every everybody. And that level of hard doesn't come easy in the industry sure. at all and it's also it, it yeah. creates a kind of readiness even if even if they're too hard you know you're cutting the chaff cutting out a lot of these different issues that come with training and yeah. they're crazy but also those who aspire to join are at base level with you too if you sure. want to go out so so uh so now we, we know the instructors a little bit more mm-hmm. Um, I show up now. We're talking week, week, end of week. We've lost multiple people on the training course, which is How expected. With? Yep. Oh, God, like, it was supposed. Like, what's the success rate? Well, the pass rate then was, I think, shit. Hein, help me out. I think it was like the average failout was between forty and seventy percent on the bigger classes at the time. Um, yeah, you see, it's it's all. Um, I would the way I would describe it was all um, dependent on the type of guys you get uh, uh, sure. training intervention. Um, I remember when I was trained, we ended up with about more than a fifty percent uh, dropout, where most of the guys actually dropped out. Um, right. Very interesting to note, actually, that it was never the big strong guy that talked a lot you know it was always the small scrawny guys it was just the guys who were there for the right reasons that held on it was never that physical thing but the big thing is i i, I can't say that we can put a, a actual like where you you have stats that was built up on um on most special forces units where they say you'll have a 50 percent or you'll have a 20 percent uh chance of making it but it does depend on your actual just the guys that are with you. Um, yes. Really bad guys. You you end up with more guys dropping up because they're not supporting each other. Um, 
if you have guys that are really like they're gelling, they're working together and stuff, you, you'll have where more guys make it because that's what it's about. I've had a very fat dude pass that course. Um, actually, Mike, yes. that dude was on your course. He yeah. was on our We didn't and, let him. We didn't yeah. let him quit. Yeah, really. And and it's it's all because of who you are with, like. Some other fit dudes, some fit, fit guys, they, they fall off of this course. And and this guy um, just didn't yeah. quit. So he Spiky. just didn't fall off. And he did win me over. And then I was freaking beasting this guy. I was I was ending this guy every single day. Uh, sometimes I wonder where that guy is. I hope I hope he's having a good life. Because uh, he, he I, is. From he how is. We, is it? That's good. That's good, man. Like, I mean, from how we really went to town on that guy and um, mm-hmm. and some of the guys it, it 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 ends up where you'll get some dudes that are just gonna gonna quit but this oak just started now it's not gonna happen i think he lost something like 30 kilograms on the course. yeah it, he literally um, went down like, like that's buckles. more than 60 pounds yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I know when Mike came back, uh, he was sticking bones too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You lost a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody, everybody that, that goes on the course has to lose weight. It's, it's mm-hmm. unfortunately the way it goes. I mean, with a rat pack that we uh, ration pack that we were talking about earlier, for instance, um, that's not a lot of food, dude. That's like that's like maybe a week's food for a normal person. Mm-hmm. You end up like spending three weeks on that food. Yeah, that's some serious stuff. That's some crazy and stuff. Yeah, you, you do so, end up into other conflicts too. Like, you got uh, non-team players that are stealing food because you're so hungry, oh, and uh, yeah, you've you've got to sort it out without the instructors figuring it out too. Because because sure. do you remember, Pine? Do you remember like so midway in the course, someone accused somebody of stealing, and so everybody had to get brought out into parade. Everybody had to line up, and everybody had to drop all their stuff, and we, we basically got uh, up fuck for I don't know, like two hours in the morning because one person stole. Um, you know, you can tell the instructors, yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> but it's That's gonna only close. add to more character building, right? Yeah, yeah. If if you were the person that got stolen from. You're including that group, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta solve this problem until the person comes out. Like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Sweet>. <laughs> oh man, but I mean, yeah, it, it was some crazy times. But yeah, so uh, Mike, to get back on your point, um, the instructors were actually quite a mixed group of ex um, war fighters, and at the time, myself actually being quite a an inexperienced person um, when it comes to any form of combat um to be honest and then more experienced civilian type uh, security guys uh, rangers like calvin himself and it was actually quite a uh, it's actually an awesome group of people to have together yeah. because there's a lot of different inputs and um, ways of looking at things and getting the best out of out of what you can from your from your trainee which is which is awesome um, yeah it's a group yeah, in in saying the same thing, I mean, um, you would remember. I think there's still a, quite a few people that, if they met me on the street today, they'd probably say, "Yeah, no, you know, they they tried to find a way to murder me if they could find sure. me." <laughs> yes. Just, uh, if those guys are listening, it was nothing personal. <laughs> like, like, um, yeah, it it was. It, it's um, 
yeah, Robert, if I could explain it like that, sure. the training course was um, was trying to get the best out of the guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get the Oaks to, to come together, show some serious discipline, and and take things seriously. Because, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people say we, there's a war going on in, uh, in the anti-poaching industry, and I, I do believe I was one of them back in the day. But to be honest, it's not a war. And, and you need to be more disciplined when you're having a situation where you're not fighting an actual war on, on uh, conservation. It's actually more like there's an issue that is more complicated than war. It's not war. Um, a lot of guys like to say that, unfortunately, actually, because they, you know, the, the Instagram likes, you know what I'm saying? Some guys just, just like to go through the training and, and they're not the real deal. They're not going to be here six years later like Mike is and um, still trying to make a difference. Um, and they just try to to look cool, you know? Um, yeah, no, I feel you. On, on, um, on Instagram. So what I'm trying to say is basically... You know, going through this training, getting all of this hardship going through you. Not that I'm saying all of the guys that made this training ended up being a good product. Um, some of them also ended up being some of those guys sure. where they just wanted to, to profit or maybe look cool off of the conservation game, which is completely mm-hmm. wrong. But um, it ended up being so difficult because you need to instill a form of discipline on guys. Um, and and have them actually on a different level than actually these like a military type training or if I could say special forces type training because it's a completely different world. These guys would go out after we train them to a farm and they'll work in a two-man team with no, no one there to tell them what. And they'll have to walk a patrol for maybe 30 kilometers a day. And they might see nothing. They might not even see a freaking elephant, you know. Yeah. It could be the most boring thing on earth, but these guys had to have the discipline to go and do it and understand how important it is to walk around, check your freaking area, you know, pick up that spur if it comes through your area and then call in everybody, make sure everything goes right. So it's not that um, I think, well, okay, from my side on that time, I just, I wanted to nail Mike. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like, it's not that it's only just to nail the guys. It is to instill a, a, a form of discipline for yeah, them absolutely. in the bush to do their jobs because it's a lot of self-reliance. It's a lot of small teams and it is a, a very unique situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same thing, if you don't get these guys disciplined, um, they'll do stupid things in the bush, you know. They'll sleep with their sleeping bags completely closed. They'll s- sleep without a guard. They'll sleep without their boots on. They'll get eaten by lions because of these facts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll they won't build their bomas. Uh, Mike, you can I think uh, expand on what a boma is for your for your views. Yeah. I'll, they won't I'll build their boma correctly. You know? So mm-hmm. this is why that's so important. All this discipline and this hard training. So, yeah. Sure. It it really is life saving, you know. So, so uh, a farm, by the way, in South Africa is commonly what we would call a reserve. Uh, a farm is a wildlife reserve, and it's being independently managed by security operations, so anti poaching. And in conservation, there's actually several layers of 
land management. So you have national park, buffer zones, community lands, private reserves, shared spaces. And so it always comes down to who picks up the tab and who, who, yeah, who's doing the security, right? And so you have uh, contracted anti-poaching units who will cover the, the boundaries of both sites and the roads because who covers the roads? It's not like there's always a police force that's going to cover the roads or is the police force corrupt in many mm -hmm. situations. So you have all these different barriers, right? So like to expand on Hein, what he's saying. So that's what a farm is. Spore is tracks. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, basically a good anti-poaching ranger unit has to be efficient at tracking. Um, they can't, not all of them are going to be masters, yeah. but if they're walking around without being trackers, they don't know what's happening in that reserve. They can't identify mm -hmm. an animal in distress. They can't identify an, an incursion. They can't identify all sorts of stuff. They can't distinguish yeah. that that was a porcupine scooting under a fence versus a person. Uh, you know, there's all these different things that happen. Um, but yeah, so you get to this different level of discipline, which to me is the combination of all my favorite things. Meanwhile, okay, so I'm on this course. I'm yeah. the only Yank, as they called mm -hmm. me. And uh, so I've got the big American flag as my target on me. And uh, the first couple weeks, uh, of course, lack of sleep. You're sleeping on the dirt in a sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. uh, you're cooking by fire only. They don't always let you finish your food. They're, the Sundays... I remember Hein eating like a Snickers bar in front of us and we hadn't eaten for two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> I remember I remember they used to march us past some of the restaurants when we were really tired and really hungry. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they'd be like, Oh, you can go. You can go to it if you want. You just can't come back. You you, you want to go get dinner? And like really? they would say they would try to break you in all these different ways. And uh yeah. and then <laughs> you had the guys who would take the bait mm -hmm. and they i remember there was a uh, one guy in particular we called him mr cool he showed up and he, he only lasted like four days and oh, he was a guy that claimed to be an actor eh? no not uh, him he's another good it one. wasn't him oh yeah, that, okay we called we called him the vulture uh uh because literally anytime someone was cooking he was going to be on your shoulder and be like what are you eating there man really there? yeah <laughs> 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 anytime there was food he showed up and, he, and you're like bro i haven't eaten and i saw you literally eat some of their food and eat some of their food no get out of here because he, mm -hmm. he ate all of his rations in eight days and he had a lot more time to go <laughs> uh, but i remember too god I'm like, yeah, that's the type of guy we want in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember, boys? <laughs> uh, do you remember uh, this? the blisters? So one mm. of the ways they try to get you is oh, yeah. we had to do – we were doing snare patrols and foot day. patrols and fence line mm. patrols all the time. And we uh, – keep in mind, we're also not showering. Okay, so like there's no shower – you're, you're in yeah, the same me, uniform. Let me give you a side note there, Mike. Um, if I can explain to, to everyone uh, this type of training scenario. You literally, we get the guys, we bring them in. There is no bed. There's no floor. It's literally a thatch roof built over soil. That's where the guys sleep. 
No lights. They have a long no drop to go. Yeah, no lights, no electricity, no running water, except mm-hmm. where they will get some um, on allocated times. Unfortunately, it's very unreliable. Um, I remember on my training course, I was severely dehydrated, just going to sleep, and just hoping by all hope that the next day there'll be some water. <laughs> wow, but, yeah. Um, so basically, it 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 turns it it, it is a very difficult course. Um, sure. But the point is, what I'm trying to say is that these guys really they they live in rudimentary conditions. They they have literally nothing. They have their rucksack, which is literally all they have, and a long drop mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. to do their thing in. So it's that it's a fireplace. They have to light a fire, cook some food in what we call a Dixie pan in South Africa. Um, I don't. That's probably a, a phased out thing in America. It's it's literally a, a tin piece of cookware which which acts as a pot and also a a cup and a okay. bowl <laughs> so you're like chow out of that i don't think it's even relevant anymore in the other countries wow. except maybe africa but um that's what the guys had to go through so that's what uh yeah that that's kind of what mike is describing here it, sure. it's not it's not your normal basic training we'll have a cot to make up and stuff like that not at all there is no yeah. cot. there's a there's the hard freaking ground and your and your rucksack and a sleeping bag and that's it so yeah, sure. at least it was in a safe environment in the beginning. Um, so yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the only good thing I can say, yeah. you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, that was uh, just to to add on to your story there, Mike. Please. Uh, okay, so the the one of the things that were common uh, was blisters, uh, mm-hmm. because they would re- routinely keep in mind again one pair of everything. They're routinely marching you through thick thickets of grass under trees fence lines and we're we're sweeping for snares sweeping for activity while getting trained we're doing tracking exercises all this other stuff so your feet are waterlogged and even if you're taking your shoes off every yeah. chance you get your feet are waterlogged and i had a blister on both feet the size of the entire bottom of two-thirds of my foot like really and so it got to a point where it was like okay this is there's a problem it's getting infected basically and so i had come to these guys and i remember telling hein after dealing with it for a couple of days hey i got a blister and they you know they gave you a uh just like a antibacterial cleansing on it basically so it didn't like give you real foot rot mm-hmm. and he's like yeah 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 whatever whatever i take my <laughs> i take my sock off and the look on his face like i can see he, I could see you were holding it together, but you almost wanted to vomit because you're like, Jesus, what is really? this? Really? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like, like he, so <laughs> this, this, this shit. I mean, this all comes to me. And he's like, yeah, listen, I've got this blister on my foot. I'm like, ah, this fucking guy, you know. And this was still in quite early in the in the training, so I was still at that time out for my um, the only kind of gained my respect a little bit later, which I can tell you about um, a bit later in the podcast. But anyway, so basically what happened, this oak shows me his feet and I'm like, oh shit, this is, these are some infected blisters. And I mean, mm-hmm. we got to, this is, this is bad because in the end, you don't want to lose guys on stupid things like an infection. You know, you want to, you want to make sure you've got good oaks, but you also got to keep them healthy to, to make sure you get, you get, good oaks coming through and the, the bad guys just fall off on their own. 
And I'm like, right, no, cool. Let's, okay, go call. I, I tell Mike, go call everybody together. I go fetch the medikit. I go fetch the syringes and all of what we call in South Africa, Mercura crumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what you would call that. It's basically an, it's basically an iodine type of antiseptic. It burns. It burns <laughs> really? like hell. But that's it the burns. Best. Yeah, it's it's the best thing you can do for a guy because it's gonna kill all the germs. It's gonna it's gonna dry out the, the wound and everything. So I'm like, all right, sweet, let's do this. I pop on some gloves and the guys come and they line up and I'm just like boots off, you know, because you must remember these guys haven't taken off their boots in maybe like freaking thirteen to fourteen days by that time because we did teach them don't take off your boots in uh in in the bush and somehow these guys took it very very serious like <laughs> they, they didn't take it off at night they didn't take it off at rest they didn't take it off at like leisure time anything they were like we're gonna keep our boots on mm-hmm. and um, they were like hardcore about this so i was like well you know this is not exactly what we were trying to teach they took this thing too far, and I'm like, okay, shit. Well, I mean, I can't really blame them. I didn't, uh, I didn't specify, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, this is my problem now. <laughs> so I get these guys coming, and I check. Okay, here's Mike's. This is one big blister, and I'm like, right. I give him a uh, basically what I did. I just took some of that mercurocram, put it into a syringe, and just injected it into that blister as well. Um, huh? Basically. Um, emptying out the blister with another syringe, so taking out the fluids and then throwing it away and getting another one for the next person. So basically, that would like burn guys. Like you would, you would see the tears coming down their faces. Really. And I started with Mike, and Mike's like, "Oh, he's okay." I'm like, "Okay, cool, cool, cool." I, I go through like maybe six or seven guys, and there's one guy that comes on the course, and I mean that this guy wasn't the smartest guy on earth. He was. He was a special client, you know. He was like, he's there, he's physically fit, AF, one of the fittest oaks, but not the smartest guy, you know. He's like, yeah, I'm here, I'm just here, <laughs> basically. Mm. Type of yeah, guy. He takes off his shoes, and I'm like, I look at this guy's blisters, and it is just, I mean, if you've got any form of basic rudimentary medical training you're like this is a fucking serious infection <laughs> i look really? at this guy's blisters and i'm like holy shit this is this is bad i'm like how did this guy not come to us and it was just like this oak is just like fucking a brick shit house he's like strong as strong as hell and like nah you know <laughs> i don't need to i don't need to report this this is fine i might lose some 500 toes but who cares <laughs> you know what i'm saying anyway like complete idiot um takes off his shoes and i look at it i'm like holy crap so i pierce this guy's blister and it's just the most disgusting amount of like passing fluid coming out of it so i'm like okay well i really don't want to do this but i guess i really have so i kind of end up squeezing this dude's um pus out of these blisters because this guy's going to end up with really freaking horrible stuff. And I'm like standing there, I'm like halfway gagging like oh, but I can't show it because I have to like try and and keep my image up, you know, like 
I'm the guy yeah. that keeps you guys in line, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. even like um, Calvin, <laughs> which was mentioned earlier, coming over and looking over my shoulder, and he's like, "Hey, what's happening?" And he looks at it, he just went, Whoa! like, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm out, I'm out." <laughs> and he just, it's that bad. And it was bad, dude. It was wow. bad. It was worse than Doctor Pimple Popper. I'm telling you, it was bad. <laughs> oh, man. So did yeah, that guy so end up, up with did he pass the selection or no? Yeah, yeah, he did. He, did. Cool. He, he actually did, yeah. I, I gave him the injection. It it, it, um, it sorted out. But this guy was just dumb and hard as hell. Man. Like, cool. I mean, in the end, he was a good guy. I, I can't really um, say anything bad about anybody. Yeah. But he was not the smartest of guys. And I think that's how he ended up like just being like he's there. He doesn't think too much. So hey, sure. cool. Was yeah. fuck. Who cares? Yeah. So, so yeah, it it it's so, it was some pretty seriously sick stuff so happening. Wild. Yeah, Robert, I know you've got questions, dude. You've we you've you've done a good job of uh, trying to see where the. Well, I get excited, and I don't. I know you're, and like it's cool to see you guys like talk. And honestly, too, it's really nice to hear you kind of be in trouble or like being <laughs> uncomfortable. Like I'm kind of just like, I just, it's nice to just sit back and relax. Like, oh, Mike's having a hard time. This is great. Like, explain more. Oh, you had a lot of this. hard yeah. times. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. The Good. I had uh, five weeks of hard time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, this, is, this is the most, it's like aesthetically, this is the most pleasing podcast we've done. Because I'm like, oh, Mike's struggling. Well, he hasn't eaten in two weeks. This is nice. <laughs> but I, but if I if I had to ask any question, I guess it would be, Hein, when did you like? I guess because you obviously you see Mike, he's this American, he's got all this extra shit. Like, when did you start? I guess seeing like respecting Mike as a you know as as a potential APU ranger. Like, when did you start developing like that that kind of connection? All right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it was actually quite an interesting day. I, I, I still remember it. Um, funny enough, um, what happened is Mike ended up uh, contracting tick, uh, tick bite fever, right? Sure. Yeah. So a few of the guys, well, on all courses, the guys end up contracting uh, tick bite fever, um, and Mike basically. He had a he had a, he had a case of this uh, tick bite fever, which is which is I don't know for people that don't know it, but it's it's not a fun thing to have. Basically, what it does is um, it it ends up destroying your your red blood cells, so you don't have enough oxygen going through the tissues in your body. So it makes physical exercise extremely difficult. It makes you very lethargic and, 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 and tired and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. what ended up happening is this dude gets this freaking tick bite fever. From a technique for him, obviously. And I just remember one day where he, we took them all to the doctor. They got some antibiotics and we told them, right, so this is up to you now. Um, we're not liable if you get hurt in any way further, if you do the training, because you are sick and it's not our problem if you end up with any serious conditions after this, because sure. you are ill and we're not going to give you any respite from the training. You're going to continue with the training. That's the way it goes. If you don't want to do it. Um, and I remember basically I got back um, from, as I mentioned earlier, I went to go train another coaching uh, for a different uh, enterprise. And I got back and I find Mike and all the guys there and they were just 
coming out of the crap that they <laughs> they found themselves in with these other characters that escaped from from the base and and went to town and and mm-hmm. and hit the bars, you know. So I was not happy because my only job there, my job description was uh, enforce discipline, and I had these guys disciplined to a T before I left. And then when I left, I saw, oh, okay, well, the guys are taking chances. So I came back and I was seeing this stuff and I asked the guys, what was their remedial action? How did you fix this problem? Because obviously it needs to be fixed. There's, there was a disciplinary infraction there. We need to fix that and yeah. let's, let's fix it. So <laughs> I asked the guys and they're like, they explained to me, oh, the guys that went out to the bar, got a kit bag and, or rucksack and they went out and they went for a hike and they came back and I was like, well, this is not good enough. This is not good enough at all. So I gave the guys a bit of a beasting. I, uh, they went and they had a few push-ups. They had a few sit-ups. They had a bit of a run around. They had a bit of an optical course. You know, they were rolling around here and there. You know, nothing, nothing too serious. (laughs) And I just decided like, screw this, like give these guys, and this all with, with, with that illness. That I was aware of, but as I said, we did make a disclaimer and say this is your choice now. Um, we handed them some some good logs, and um, we just said, right, we're going we're going this way. So start walking, and I was still at that point like a bit um, frustrated with the guys because with all the you know all of the, the discipline that I tried to instill in the guys, they kind of like let me down, you know, like. Yeah. It wasn't a thing for me. So I decided, right, here we go. Let's start walking with the poles. So I said, right, well, I'm in charge now. So let's let's increase the pace. Let's increase the pace. And I kept increasing the pace. I wasn't carrying a pole, um, but I have carried poles. So I wasn't bullying them, if you want that. Sure. <laughs> but um, basically, just increase the pace to a serious level. And I remember basically Mike walking at the front of this pole because he was one of the shortest guys. So the tall mm-hmm. guys at the back of the pole, the short guys at the front of the pole. And I'm walking and I see him actually holding a freaking GoPro. And he's smiling at this GoPro. So I checked this guy and I grabbed the GoPro from him. And I'm like, I'm filming for you now. Yeah. And I just go back and I film all the guys. And I can see the guys are straining. And this guy is sick as a hell. And I can see he's straining beyond belief you know this guy is really having a hard time like he's not he's not having a good time but when i look at him he's fucking smiling <laughs> you know he's he's <laughs> like yeah here i am i'm I, and, and i'm like god fucking damn it <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was you know i was i was having like a uh, like a bit of a angry moment there. i was just oh yeah this guy's really pissing me off and then I looked at it and I was just like, you know what? This guy is through all of it and despite what he is and, and like a filmmaker. And because at that time I didn't know, um, he was actually into conservation. So I just thought he was some filmmaker here to, you know, film himself and, you know, look cool on, on YouTube and yeah. get an Instagram personality going. So I was like, you know, through all of this, this guy's really shown some grit and, um, I looked at the guy and I, I actually asked Mike and I was like, are you enjoying this? And he looked at me and he was like, you said something to the lines of hell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know like exactly what it was, but it was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just looked at this guy and I was like, you know what? This is a solid dude. This, mm-hmm. this dude is, 
is showing some solid freaking grit right here. And he, and I mean, he, he did show a lot of discipline before that. And he was actually one of the, I mean, he's, he's intelligent. He, he showed passion. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I just realized this dude is here for the right moment, uh, for the right things. You know, he's not here for, um, you know, the fame or, or, or getting himself basically some girls or, or some extra cash or some peers at the bar, you know, he's, he's here mm-hmm. for, for something long-term. Uh, I mean, at, I must also say at this time, I didn't know GCF would ever exist. Uh, I didn't know that was his plan. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what happened. That's, that's the day that I decided this guy deserves it. And so cool. uh, uh, I, I considerably like, backed off from him after that day because mm-hmm. he, in my eyes he proved himself um, and and I just treated him like every other guy where uh, I did before that I, I'll be honest I, I did give him a bit of extra crap like Good. because uh, you know you can't have the American come here to South Africa and just uh, film stuff you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no I'm glad and you please, did I, I hope for your American for your American viewers guys please you, nobody in South Africa hates you guys <laughs> really don't take it wrong from what I'm saying no uh, no but I would really think the same thing I think it would be guys. vice versa though you know yeah. like it'd be like if somebody from Europe came over to America to train we'd be like okay well you know you gotta give them a little bit more of a harder time and plus Mike's got a very you wanna torture him a little bit you know? <laughs> yeah yeah I mean if you if you see this face come on man. yeah exactly anybody who's met Mike for five minutes wants to <laughs> like tar him or make him work a little harder <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I was gonna say, we ha- so we've done a good job explaining all of the past, and we could go on. And I think what we need to do is actually have another episode of uh, behind the scenes there. But we uh, we're kind of at the halfway point sure. for the show, a little bit past the halfway point, I should say. Uh, so we have a couple other funny inst- instances, and I'm gonna I'm gonna flash forward again. So. Uh, Graduate, pass out parade. Uh, then at this time in what, like Hein explained, the Rhino War, which a lot of us, mm-hmm. we use that for the public to understand, but it's like Hein said, we, you know, we're trying to help people understand, but it's so much more complex than that. Um, yeah. This time in Rhino Poaching Crisis, uh, everything's happening. I mean, legit, I remember several times we, so let me back up a second. Hein and I joined the tactical unit and what is then called the specialized round of protection unit. And we're working jointly with multiple reserves, but we're based on a specific reserve and we're covering roads. We're a response team and we're a team that gets embedded on different areas. So we're, we're working a lot of different avenues. <clears throat> so with that, we get less sleep, we get less food, we get less comfort, we get less everything. And it's, I mean, I love it. Hein loved it. We brought Ben on. Uh, ben loved it, but occasionally we would come in and do a restock or a shift change <laughs> to get like, you know, like we'd stop and get a coffee and it was literally on the edge of the bush and you could hear the helicopters out from one unit who was, you know, surveilling an area and then there was an exchange and that happened a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Don't want to say that's the norm, but I mean, it legitimately happened. Um, so the... The changeover, though, was so we, we he went from my instructor to my colleague in the specialized round of protection unit. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, we worked at this tactical base in one of the reserves. And then we're working roadblocks, vehicle inspections, foot patrols, crime scenes, uh, like I said, joint reserve stuff. And it's busy. Um, and it's literally nonstop. So all the training kicks in and you're just, you're just going, um, mm -hmm. you know, this is several months in and unfortunately it's busy, but I guess the, the benefits of this is actually, <clears throat> the benefit is, is we got a lot of real training from the startup, but then also we got a lot of real practical experience, a lot of really practical experience. And so here we are, and now Hein and Calvin know who I am. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they know why I'm there. They see that I'm there for the right cause. We're working together now as colleagues, as anti-poaching rangers. And I start kind of opening up more because I, I kept everything very quiet um, for a lot of reasons. But yeah. I open up and say, hey, so I know the head vet at Kruger National Park at the main base in the center of the national park. And he had invited me to be a part of multiple rhino relocations that they're doing. At the time, they were doing, a, they were staging for the idea of what's called an IPZ, the intens Intensive Protective Zone. But it wasn't approved yet. So Hein looks at me and goes, you, are you effing crazy? He's like, wait, you can get us on a rhino procedure in the Cougar Park with the head vet? And, mm -hmm. and I go, yeah, I just got to get a hold of him. He told me he was in Botswana, and then he's going to be back and. He's working on a Black Rhino project. He's going to be back like this week. And so he responds, and it's one of the mornings we come in off a of patrol, and we're at, the, we're at the coffee shop next to the main headquarters, which we called Midway, for all of our patrol launches. And so all of our stuff is back at the tactical base. And it's in the bush. I mean, it's like two hours into the bush after you oh, wow. hit the gates of the reserve. I mean, it's a long way in there. And so I go, dude, I was like, he just got back to me. He just got back to me. Like right now, he said, if we can leave, or sorry, if we can get to the Skakuza gates by 5 p.m. because they're going to close the gates, we can be part of tomorrow's procedures. Okay, this is a six-hour drive. It's 10 a.m. And we don't have a rental car. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I did have permission from our management and the reserve because we were actually – we didn't take any weekends. We just cycled through multiple times and we had pushed a couple patrol blocks together, which ended up being like a month solid, a month and a half or something like that. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I look at Ben who also said he wanted to be Ben is our friend who also was part of my training, who got trained by Hein and he's part of the tactical team on the specialized round protection unit. And I go, Ben, do you want to join us? And I, cause it's basically going to be just me and Hein and, I was like, Ben, you can come too, dude. Like, we talked to him about it. And he goes, yeah, 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 let's go. And I was like, okay, give me, give me like two minutes to figure out how we're going to do this. Don't have a car. Don't have any change of clothes. We're six hours away with one hour of leeway in between. And uh, <laughs> we need to go now. And so yep. I go, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I go, Ben, run and go get groceries. Hein, let's go get the rental car. And then we split up, go different directions in this small town in, in um, you know, South Africa on the edge of the greater Kruger Park and Kruger Park itself. And, yeah. and I go, okay, cool. We'll meet back at this shopping center in 45 minutes. We, 
we literally, Hein and I are driving back the rental car. <laughs> and it's what we're going to is a clothing store. And then yeah, we had to buy freaking clothes, dude. We even we had to buy clothes. clothes. <laughs> just had the, like uniforms. Literally, we're and we're disgusting. Fun we're, fact, I still have that pair of jeans hanging in my cupboard because it's same. Really, <laughs> I couldn't yes. let it go, man. Same. I couldn't let it go. So yeah. we, uh, Hein and I are pulling around the corner, and there's this clothing store, and here comes Ben, six foot four, trotting with like four <laughs> bags of groceries, with a smile on his face, and running to the vehicle. And I go, Ben. All right, we got our clothes. We got to go. You know, like run in and grab your change of clothes. So Ben goes in and buys a Springbok, like, weaved jersey top <laughs> from the rugby team. <laughs> Which it is our like, national rugby team, of course. Yeah. yeah and it. it looks like your oh. grandma's knitted sweater version. And Hein and I just walk in and go, okay, that's the right waist. That's the right shirt size. Run in. Grab it. <laughs> we oh. walk back in and walk back out. And so, I mean, we're running. Okay, now – uh, we all shed our top shirt because also it's not safe to be an anti-poaching ranger and 90% yeah. of the road trip are going to be going through. And then part yeah, of the road we, trip we we're going to go through. Some of the locations where some of the poachers would, would, would actually like the communities that they would be staying in. So it's not safe going in that, in that uniform. They know that uniform and they're like, they would, if they could get chance where if they would see us, they could, they could um, maybe do some harm, you know, they could, they could maybe take us out or, attack us and, and really put us in hospital or something like that. You know? So it, it, it wow. is a, it was, it was quite a big thing to get some civilian clothing on. You know? Yeah. And if you, if, if you remember too, at the time we were part of a special unit that had a gray beret and mm -hmm. there was actually uh, an added bonus. If you could get one of us basically, because we collectively in junction with multiple other areas, were very successful during our time frame, And so we really needed to blend in. Um, so now we're on the road. We, sh we, you know, shedded the uniform top. We're driving, we're laughing. Mm -hmm. We're like speeding on these rural roads. We make it to the Skakuza gates. We're on the guest list to enter the gates as, you know, part of the veterinary, uh, part. And, and this is another thing as a, as an anti-poaching unit, you don't just roll into another unit's area casually like yeah, so you're gonna throw red zingers so the first thing they notice is we've got camouflage plants and they go what what's going on and we said no no no, it's okay we're part of the we're part of the uh gcap units up in the you know the further north up in the hoodsfred area and they're like yeah no what what are you doing so they they slow us down and they make us fill really? out extra paperwork and they check the vehicle three times over and we actually thank them because that's not something that always happens but why it, though because we could have been embedded crooked uh, rangers coming in to poach uh, rhino gotcha. yeah and, I, I remember back in the day there was there was also people coming into the you know coming into the the park and driving around and IDing the area like gps um putting a gps location on, on where the rhinos are and then you'd have a, um, the actual poaching team in the park mm, going yeah they'd shed that rhino Two yeah. passengers of a four-passenger vehicle, yeah. higher weapon. It was it was pretty funny though when they opened the boot and our like <laughs> kit and everything is lying in the back with like um, I don't know what a battle jacket uh, I'd describe that. It would be like chest webbing, chest webbing um, oh, okay. you know, like with all of this stuff in it, and there's pangas in there, and there's knives. Luckily, we didn't have any freaking firearms. And they look at this, and they look at me and Mike, and they're like, 
so what's this? And yeah. we're like, well, you know, this is our kit. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what are you doing here? And we're like, um, we're going to dart rhinos. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, they look back at us and it's like this awkward standout. Yeah. And they're like, ah, so you are anti-poaching rangers. And we're like, well, yes, of course. And it, it's a bit of it's a bit of a silence, and they're like, "Okay, okay, yeah. you can go." Yeah. <laughs> and we're just like, okay, so so "Jump in you... the car and hit it, you know? Like, let's go!" Yeah. And remember, oh, we had a call at the gate. We had to call Doctor Peter Butts, uh, the, the head vet. Oh yeah. yeah, and because they were literally looking at us like, "The fuck." Like, and and they they got this call, and the guy in the in the in the office is like puts his hand up, like, yeah, he, he said they're on the list, and then we roll in, yeah. and then but here's we were still, here, I think they were still very suspicious of us, but oh, in any case, yes, yeah. Uh, so we roll up. It's five thirty by the time we get to this uh, the veterinary base camp in Skakuza, which is the main sec- midsection of the career. And Which Peter is lucky Buzz, because you're not allowed to drive after 6 uh, p.m. In right. Cuba, so we were like we were seconds very, very away yeah. from getting into more trouble, which could have got us in trouble with our job, too, further up. And <laughs> they would have called us superiors and just oh, yeah. shoot us out. Um, so why is that, though? Why, is that just because that's just like typical poaching time? And this it's way, a security it's risk. It's, it's a, okay. it's a um, all or nothing scenario to limit issues. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and you also don't really want tourists out in that massive park at night. Sure. You know, they, they yes. get lost, they get chewed up by some form of an animal, you know, mm-hmm. stamped by some uh, elephants or whatever, you know, you don't, you don't want that. You want people okay. to be safe where they are. Yeah, yeah. totally. So I had met Dr. Peter Boss at a International Rhino Conservation Conference, and we actually yeah. both had... Uh, we both presented that year on rhino conservation. And at the time, only the rhino community knew the smaller rhino community, I should say, not even the greater sense of rhino community conservation groups, knew how serious it was for the northern white rhinos. And so that's how we had connected because I was one of the primary caretakers of northern white rhinos back in San Diego. I should mm-hmm. say two of the last ones. So when he saw me that time, I was normal non-ranger Mike, shaven, clean cut hair, uh, uh, in a regular dress, we roll up and he's loading out for a night shift to go do some lion collarings. <clears throat> and we're like, we're here. And he literally <laughs> is like looking at me sideways. Like who the hell did I just let in? Because I've got <gasps> camo pants on a black V-neck shirt, which was the only thing I could buy. And I'm bearded. <laughs> and clearly yeah, and we went dirty, dude. We went dirty. We haven't taken a shower in like freaking at least like a week and a half. Really? <laughs> yeah. We were really yeah. dirty, dude. We cool. we were stinking dirty out of the bush. Beards grown, hair bushy. Like it it was comical. <laughs> and then, so he goes, he goes. Uh, so your accommodations over there. I'll see you in the morning. Like, <laughs> like. Uh, did I let the right guys in? Kind of thing. And then so. Um, we all go change. We had these really cool, uh, their staff and uh, working staff accommodations. So we each had like our own house, basically mini house. 
And then we take a shower. We go have uh, dinner at the Golfing Green that's in Skakuza. And a hyena walks past the Golfing Green as we're sitting right there yipping. And But before that, there were baby hippos. And me, you, and Ben took a very goofy photo uh, right in front of all the hippos on the Golfing Green. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that. You need to send me that photo, by the way. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll send it to you. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So then the next morning... <clears throat> So we're, we're kind of like, I, I would say we're kind of not on the, we're not on the shit list with Dr. Buss, but we're not on like the, like in club We're not either. on the VIP list yeah. anymore. And yeah, because we showed up. And we're like, like, you guys are here. Yeah, you guys just stick on the fringes kind of guy. Right <laughs> He's now. like, yeah. why are they so dirty? <laughs> um, yeah. So. To goose us, because he's he's also a very funny guy, also very serious, and one of the world's most respected veterinarians in wildlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they've got these epic, specially designed Land Cruisers with loadout kits on either side, and they're lifted. They've got extra durable tires on, like the they can withstand a lot of severe impact off roading, and then they've got the crane trucks for the crates for the rhinos. And then, of course, the helicopter. And we roll up, and he goes, okay, cool. And I go, all right, cool. So do we hop on your truck? He goes, no, follow us. And we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so, so I'm thinking, okay, we're just going to go to where the road ends mm-hmm. and then hop on one of those vehicles. No, he, he was doing the same thing that Hein and Calvin did to me, but to us as a group when we were there, he wanted to see how far I was going to push that Toyota Corolla whatever small yeah. rental car it was I'm and see how sure it was a Toyota Corolla, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we end up Dude. off the main there's like there's a paved road oh. through Kruger Park, much like Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. But we end up like 15, 20 minutes in on a like a Jeep trail, like an actual like yeah. patrol trail that services. It ended up not being only. like an off-road. It it, it it ended up not being like a gravel road. It ended up literally being like what some people would rate a small 4x4 road. (laughs) Yeah. That wraps up part one of part two, talking about anti-poaching, rhino conservation, and some of the comical stories behind the scene. In part two, catch the rest of the story about what happened with that Toyota Corolla, where exactly we went and ended up, and then some serious insights into anti-poaching, training, ranger life, and equipment. Stay tuned.